but we will try to give an answer. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. If you turn in that, in that section of your Bible, please. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Why should I gain from his reward? Apostle Paul points us in the direction of the answer to that, I think, in this particular passage. And uh, senior hires, welcome back. We missed you last week. We'd encur- I would encourage you to listen to uh, the message from last week while you're getting great messages up at the retreat. Um, last week was Valentine's Day, and we talked about marriage. It'd be a great thing for you to listen to, because Lord willing, that's coming up for some of you at some point in the long, distant future. Your parents are saying, um, Great video. Looked like you all had fun. Gave me some ideas. I'm thinking... Climbing wall right there. Race. We could race. And we spend money every year on a lift to change the light bulbs in this place. If we put strategic hooks at certain places and wires, we can just have the senior high retreat right here every time we need lights replaced and we can uh, handle it. Who knows? Might, got something, might have gotten something started. But we are glad you're back and glad it was a great week, a great weekend for you. Second Thessalonians. Chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, and Sil- uh, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of, Thessal- of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so because your faith is growing more and more And the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God For which you are suffering. God is just. He will will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel. Of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with an everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. Whew. That is strong and sobering and terrifying and wonderful. Great, great, great news mixed with the 
terrifying truth of God's righteous judgment. You know, you've heard, you've heard people describing it, this church or that church. They say, I, I don't like that one. They, they preach hellfire and brimstone there. So I'm going to go to one that doesn't do that. Well, if you find one that doesn't do that, then you find one that doesn't do this. Because as we see this morning, that's where that phrase comes from. The righteous judgment of God. And there, and there are two sides to this, this righteous judgment. And we want to look at the first side this morning that I think answers the question, why should I gain from your reward, Lord? Me, why should I? You know me. You know what I'm like. You know what I deserve. Why should I gain from what you've done? From who you are, the amazing creator. I mean, singing of, singing of, the, of Jesus this morning as, as being the source of our lives, not just our, our born-again life, but our life period. He is the creator. He is the source of every living being. He's the reason everybody gets to live. And then for those of us who believe in him, then we never die because of Jesus. That's what he's talking about in verse 5. All this, all this suffering that they're going through that's resulting in the increase of their faith, the increase of their love, their continual endurance and perseverance, all that that's going on in Thessalonica, He says, this is evidence. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. Don't misunderstand that statement. They're not going to be counted worthy of the kingdom of God because they're suffering. They're not going to be counted worthy of the kingdom of God because their faith is increasing in the midst of persecution, because their love is increasing for each other more and more, even in the midst of persecution. They're going to be counted worthy of the kingdom of God because God's judgment is right. And this is God's judgment. That if we believe in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be saved. That is the the good side from our perspective. All of the sides of his judgment are good. But the good side from our perspective is that he saves utterly and completely. No matter how sinful we have been, he saves every single person who puts their trust in Jesus Christ, who believes in Jesus. And this, what what the Thessalonians were going through, and, and what they were experiencing was evidence of that. God had changed those people. Not everybody in Thessalonica, but those who embraced the message, the testimony that the Apostle Paul and Silas and Timothy had shared with them when that church was planted. Those who believed that and then believed those who believed that, as they told the story, those who believed that, their lives were changed. 
completely and utterly changed. Oh, they were still human beings. They still struggled. They still dealt with life. They still had their ups and their downs, but they were changed. Their faith was growing. It didn't matter if they were being persecuted. It didn't matter if they were getting fired from their jobs because they were Christians. It didn't matter if they were getting separated from their families. They continued to grow in their faith. They continued to increase in their love for each other. They kept on going. That was evidence that God's judgment is right. Because God takes a life, every life that says, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. He takes that life and he changes it and he uses it to grow and to bring glory to his name. It was evidence that 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 had taken place. And that's what we want to celebrate this morning as we're we're singing these songs about how wonderful Jesus Christ is and his name is, and it is, and he is. He is all that's wonderful because he is all that we are counting on. He is all that we're hoping for. I was commending Dee this morning for his servant attitude. But I don't, want to, I don't want to be misunderstood. D isn't saved because he's a great servant. It's the other way around. He's a great servant because he's saved. Mark was commending the senior high um, youth leaders for, for their work at the retreat. They weren't saved by offering their weekend up to our senior high youth. But they offered their weekend up for our senior youth because they're saved. I, I've often mentioned to you how thankful I am for our praise team and for the hard work that they put in and for the great job that they do. And, and, I, and again, because my family's involved in it, I know the hours that they put into it and, and, and all those kind of things and the tech team as well and all of that. But recognizing that they're not saved because they do this good work, because they help us worship the Lord. But they do this, and they, and, they, and they work hard at it because they are saved. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right. See, this is God's plan. This is what he decided to do. Before Adam and Eve ever sinned, he had this plan. Some people think that God was, you know, as, as, as things happen, Adam and Eve, and it, since they sinned, they can say, oh, oh boy, now we've got to come up with something else. Because now they've sinned, they're separated, you know, they're separated from me, so what are we going to do now? Come up with a plan. Okay, well, well, we'll bring Jesus in. No, Jesus was already in. The plan was already set before Adam and Eve ever sinned. Because God's judgment is Right? He knew exactly what needed to happen to bring him the most glory that could be brought to him. And he put this plan together. And the Thessalonians and those who follow in their example of continuing to grow, continuing to love, continuing to serve, continuing to continue, 
as he, as he commends them for their perseverance and their endurance. And everybody who follows in their footsteps are evidence that God's judgment is right. That he would take sinful people like us and remember what the wages of sin is. If, if you don't understand the wages of sin after reading 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 10, then you don't understand the Bible. The wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23 says that very clearly, but this is a picture of that. This is the, the, what we would look at from our perspective, kind of the bad side of God's judgment. Although remember, all of God's judgments are right. And we'll look at that in particular next week. But the wages of sin is death. That's the, that's the truth for every single one of us. All of us have sinned according to God's word. All of us have sinned and fall short of his glory. He succinctly says that in Romans 3.23. But for every single person, regardless of their nationality, of the language that they speak, their bank account, their job status, their race, their gender, their height, their weight, their age, every single person who believes in Jesus Christ is instantly and amazingly forgiven of their sins by the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. Immediately, they're given the gift of eternal life they're changed, and they continue to change. They're, they continue to transform. As Paul put it in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, they continue to transform in increasing measure, reflecting the glory of God, which Mark was talking about and, and the other leaders with our youth last, um, last weekend. That's what we're here for, to reflect the glory of God. The Thessalonian church was doing that. And if we're doing that, regardless of what the circumstances are, remember the circumstances of the Thessalonians, it was a tough year for them. Heard that phrase lately? Tough year? We've, we've worn that phrase out. They were even having a tougher year. But it didn't stop them from the transforming power of God in their lives, to, for them to continue to grow in their faith even during a t- tough year, for them to grow in their love for each other even in a tough year, for them to keep on whatever it is they had to do even in a tough year. And so churches like ours who take theirs as an example and say that's the way that we also want to follow Jesus, that's the, that was the kind of church that made the Apostle Paul proud that he would boast about them among all the other churches. That's the kind of church that we want to be. Those are the kind of people that we want to be. And as we follow in their example, then we can also be evidence that God's judgment is right. And remember, remember what his judgment is. That if you believe in Jesus, that as it was with Abraham in Genesis 15, that will be credited to, to you 
as righteousness. That's why we get to gain from his reward. Because his judgment is right. And because I believe in Jesus, that is credited to me as righteousness. And therefore, I now am worthy of the kingdom of God. Sound boastful? It's not. It's me boasting in Jesus, not in myself. It's me standing on the, on the same truth that Abraham stood on when he believed that what God told him was right and true and it was credited to him as righteousness. That same thing happens in my life. That same thing happens in your life. And that is something worthy of celebration. That is something that should make the name of Jesus famous to find out that he saves, completely and utterly saves every single person who believes in him. The Apostle Paul believed that so much that on the, on the, the morning after the earthquake in Philippi, do you remember that story? The jailer was going to kill himself. The Philippian jailer was going to kill himself because the earthquake came and released all the prisoners. And he knew just the way it was in his line of work that if he lost a prisoner, a single prisoner, that his life would be, t- would be taken from him. Well, he lost all of his prisoners So rather than wait on his own execution, he was going to speed the process up and do the noble thing and kill himself. And so as his sword is drawn and he's ready to take his life, remember what the Apostle Paul said, don't harm yourself. We're all still here. Amazing. Just think about the dynamics of that. Amazing. All the prisoners were still there. All those prisoners who'd been listening to Paul and Silas throughout the night, singing and praying and testifying. It doesn't say that they were testifying until we get to the question of the jailer. Because when he saw that they were all still there, he looked to Paul and Silas and he said, Sirs, men, what must I do? To be saved. The Apostle Paul believes so much in the righteous judgment of God that he said this believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. You and your house. Threw in a little prophecy there, too. And that did happen because he went upstairs or next door, however, whatever the scenario was, and told his family what had happened, and they all received Christ. You know what they started doing immediately? He did the, I don't think he had done this. It doesn't, doesn't say this, but I'm pretty sure this is true. He gave his first bath to a prisoner. The Apostle Paul and, and, and Silas, they had been, beaten severely. They had been flogged. 
similar to what had happened to Jesus. And, and flogging was a terrible thing. It's a very gruesome and bloody thing to the point that there are many accounts of people being flogged where their internal organs could be seen from their back. Just, just their back was just shredded. And that was, that was Paul and Silas. They were singing in that condition down in the lower reaches of the, of the jail in stocks and chains. So they were completely bloody. And because of where they were, they were completely nasty in that, in that jail. And the jailer immediately, upon believing in Jesus, had a change of heart, had a change of mind, had a change of life. He said, we need to clean these guys up. And we don't know if he only cleaned up Paul and Silas or if he started bathing all the guys. We don't know. But something happened in his life when he believed in Jesus. And I'll tell you what happened. It's described in Titus chapter 3. We'll look, just look here before we close this morning. Titus chapter 3. It's just a couple of, of letters back from Second Thessalonians. Look at verse 3. Titus chapter 3, verse 3. Titus 3, 3. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. That's what happened to that jailer. That's what happened to the Thessalonians. That's what happened to every single one of us who believed. Not every single one of us who did good things, who sang great songs, who preached messages, who prayed prayers, who memorized verses, who attended church, who asked the pastor and, the, and those serving, is there anything I can do for you? Not doing all those things. All those things are great and wonderful. Not by leading a, a, a senior high youth retreat. But because they believed, because we believed, he made us the righteousness of God. He made us worthy of the kingdom of God for which the Thessalonians were suffering and sometimes for which we suffer. But our suffering for the kingdom isn't what makes us worthy. What makes us worthy is the righteous judgment of God. Because he put on him, Jesus, according to 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him who who had never sinned to become sin 
for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's what this cross reminds us of. It reminds us of a lot of things. But it reminds us of the righteous judgment of God. Because the wages of sin is still death. Somebody had to die for our sins. And if it's not us, it's Jesus. Those who reject Jesus, and we're going to talk about them next week as we look at the next section on, this, on his righteous judgment. But those who reject Jesus say, no, I'll go there. I'll go ahead and die for my sins. I'll take what, what I deserve for my sins. That's what they say when they reject Jesus. But for those who believe, he gives us, according to John 1.12, he gives us the right to become children of God. What? What? What a faith. What a statement. What a God who would change us by the work of Christ so that we could bring him the honor and the glory that he deserves for making us and for doing all the great things that he does. There's no end to why he deserves the praise and the honor that, that we can bring him. But the only reason we can is because of the righteous judgment of God, who, for all of us who believe, he changes and transforms and continues to do that so that we can increase our ability of reflecting his glory to the rest of the world, to those in, the, in, the, in heavenly places, the angels and the demons and everybody else that's involved. They see what God is doing in us and all the people around us. And some, through faith, believe and are saved like we are. And others, because of the grip of sin and Satan in their lives and their own stubbornness and, and rebelliousness, continue to say, no, I'm not going to go God's way. I'm not going to do things God's way. I've got my own way to do things. And again, we'll see, we'll see their end next week. But the righteous judgment of God is a thing to be celebrated. It's a thing to be, uh, to be gloried in. And that's what we do here this, on, on these Sunday mornings when we come together. We rejoice in the righteous judgment of God that he would take people like us and forgive us of our sins and give us eternal life to share his reward with us. The Lord Jesus himself is going to share his inheritance as the, the firstborn of God's creation. He's going to share his inheritance for all eternity with all of his brothers and sisters who have put their trust in Jesus Christ. That is great news. That is the righteous judgment of God. Part one. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, to be able to call you our Father is an amazing thing. And like everything else that we get used to doing, we can take that statement for granted. 
But right now, having, having considered your righteous judgment, we're even more amazed that we can call you Heavenly Father. That you took all of our sins and laid them on your Son, the perfect one, the righteous one, the only righteous one, and made us who believe your righteousness as well. To give us a standing, Father, to make us worthy of your glorious kingdom. And so we pray to you this morning in Jesus' name, and we stand before you in Jesus' name. And we will always stand before you in Jesus' name. Because he is your son. He is our savior. And he is our Lord. And we praise you and thank you for him this morning. And Father, we pray for everybody who was able to be a part of this service this morning and who heard this word about your righteous judgment. Some of them still haven't put their trust in Jesus. They're still having a hard time believing that it can be that simple, that they can be completely forgiven just by believing in your son. Father, we pray for them this morning that they would believe that. That they could somehow, by the faith that you would give them, by the courage and wisdom that you would give them, that they could see through all the obstacles that they've laid out before you. And they could see them all tumble down because of Jesus. Help them to know that the only way they can honor you, the only way they can have eternal life and to live a life of any meaning or eternal purpose at all would be to believe in Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.